Hello ladies and gentlemen, my name is Jake Kerr and this is a Black Ink Podcast. Today I was joined by a very interesting guest, Mr. Ben Andrew, who is of course a Bunbury City Councilman. We had a very interesting conversation and we touched on many different points and I'm really excited for you to listen to it. But before we get there, I just want to make special mention of today's podcast sponsors. These guys are all local crew and they're all people that I've done business with in the past and that I very much so trust and would encourage you to do business with if you're interested in their field of expertise or what they offer. So I'm going to start from wherever I start from. This isn't any particular order. First, I would like to make mention of Always Garden and Nursery. Sorry, Always Garden Nursery is their name. Now, Always Garden actually had a install within my event at my recent spring winter collection launch which was, of course, on the waterfront there at 30, uh, 31, I forget the address. If you were there, you would have seen the plants. They had an awesome setup. They had terrariums, cacti, all different sorts of indoor plants. Um, anyway, more to the point, you love Always Garden Nursery. It's not just a regular garden center. It's a family business that started from a genuine passion for plants. The owners poured their heart and soul into creating a place where people can find amazing plants, great ideas, and get expert advice all while wandering within a paradise within a city. And guess what? They also offer landscaping services to help you create your dream outdoor space, or they can even help with indoor installs too. With their expertise and dedication, you can trust that they'll bring your vision to life. And don't forget, they're open from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. from Thursday to Sunday. So swing by whenever you can and let the friendly staff guide you through the amazing selection of plants. Can't wait to hear about your gardening adventures at Always Garden Nursery, and you can catch them at 36 Moreland Avenue in Glen Iris, which is just around the back from the farmer's market. Radio. next up we have BRL Maintenance. Now, Brant, who is the face behind BRL Maintenance, is a bloke and a half. This man has the handyman services that you need. I first did business with Brant when he got uniforms off me not so long ago, and him and I have been doing business backwards and forwards ever since. I trust Brant, I love the work that he does. I'm gonna read out this little bio that he's got for me right here. So Brant specializes primarily in replacing and hanging damaged doors, patching and repairing damaged walls and ceilings, paint works, small, medium and large jobs, and some small tiling work as well. He's looking for customers that don't have time to keep up with the general maintenance around their home. And this is the thing, to kind of break down what Brandt does into a small amount of words is actually quite hard. He's a handyman. He basically solves problems. So what you wanna do, if you have anything around the home that's a little bit outside of your field of expertise, or perhaps it's just you don't have the time to get to it, you need someone professional to come in and get the job done for you, Brant is your man of BRL Maintenance. Now, you can contact him via his Facebook page, which is BRL Maintenance. You'll catch a link in the description, or you can call Brant directly on 0480-331-392. So get a hold of Brand, tell him that Jake from Black Ink Podcast sent you and he'll be more than helpful, more than excited to take on your job and to solve your problem for you. And last but not least, we have Dylan from DG Air Southwest. Now, Dylan and I actually went to school together years and years ago. Dill has been in the industry for over 11 years, but has only recently started up his own service-based, air conditioning service-based business. Now, Dill is hungry for the work, he's an expert in the field, and he's just a top bloke. I really appreciate Dill. Whenever I've got work done by Dill, he's always been on time, done the job, and been a through and through a great person to deal with. From split systems to evaporatives and the whole house ducted tailored to suit your needs, you can get in touch with Dylan 
on his social media, which of course is Instagram, his Facebook, both of them are linked in the description below, or you can call him directly on 0407-719-208 and tell him that Jake from the Black Ink Podcast sent you. Anyway, guys, I hope you enjoy the episode. This is Councillor Ben Andrew. Do you make mugs? Um, I have made mugs in the past. They didn't... Uh, I've tried to do everything at least once. The so problem is, these you buy from Kmart. I think it's like $8, $9. Yeah. How am I meant to compete with that? Yeah, how do you compete with that? And yeah. like you, you look at business and it's um, product, price, performance. Right. You know, three Ps. So you go, right, I can't beat them on price. The product thing in England is exactly the same. Yeah. So the only thing I've got to work with is performance, which is, I guess, you know, your brand. Yeah. And if people are willing to pay that premium and they're getting the same mug yeah. for a more expensive price, but then it's coming back on you. Um, and I guess that brand loyalty that you have with consumers. That speaks to the why, how, and what of business. Yeah. But know. the problem is when you're talking about a mug like that, the profit margin is so small. Yeah, well, this is when you go, okay, is the product for marketing or is the product for um, fulfillment? You yeah. know what I mean? So someone buys a black ink shirt to, A, they're gonna, they are going to market because they're wearing something that has black ink on mm-hmm. it. It's like a mobile banner for me. But at the same time, like they're going to buy that from my point of view to support the business. Yes. Whereas the mug is like, if you use it, like if you're going to put it on your desk and use it every day and every time you take a sip or go to make a coffee which is an addictive substance so we're, we're tying yeah, in a big a greater yeah. picture here i'll sell it for the same thing for the same amount it costs me because i get to infiltrate your brain in a different way yeah so then you go okay you know the scrunchies that i made you know how am i going to sell them for usually pro you know you try and time something by two as to what it costs yeah. you so if you make a mug which say if i had to make 100 mugs i couldn't make them any cheaper than say three five six dollars yeah sell them for 12, compare them to eight, you're like, well, it's only $4, but it's like the percentage margin is fucking huge. Yeah. You know, you got an $8 mug or a $12 mug, you go, well, I'm going to take the $8 mug, yeah. you know? But I guess it also comes back to that return on investment, which is, uh, you know, if you focus on the mug, are you missing out on something else that's going to give you a better return? That's right. For a labour-intensive product. That's right. With small margins that may or may not end up on people's tables. Correct. And if I sell 100 mugs at cost, the marketing campaign that I can treat that as is, well, there's 100 potential customers that have me front of mind yeah. every day. Yeah. So it's when I go to sell them the T-shirt, the banner, the this, the that, you go, okay, well, I'm already in the vernacular of what their normal thoughts are. Yeah. So I can go, sweet, this, this target audience is warm now instead of being completely cold. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I did a very similar thing last year with the calendar. So I paid, um, I got 50 calendars made and I got six sponsors on the calendars, which essentially paid for the calendars to be made. Yeah. Now I sold them to people who did want them, but in general, I gave them away with big orders yeah. because it's like, okay, I give you a calendar. If you don't have one for that year, by default, you're gonna put mine up. Yeah. I put pictures on there that are all black ink relatable and there's these sponsors there. It's like, you know, sponsored by, I don't know who that is. I know them, I know them, I know them. I see them every day, I know them, I know them. And then when I drive to the main street of town and I wanna get my hair cut, well, I'm gonna to go to Blade Cartel because I've seen them peripherally every day. Yeah. And it's like this here, that that calendar model was like, that's what really turned on this like, okay, a product can be a marketing thing over a product product, you know? Oh, definitely. And I mean, that's why uh, events have events t-shirts. Correct. So whether you're doing running event, uh, dirt and dust, these are the shirts used dirt and dust this year. Uh, 
you know, you put that, you make a nice shirt, something that's recognisable, you put a logo on it, and people go, oh, that's a nice shirt, and then it opens up that conversation, like, oh, what is dirt and dust? Yeah. And so people wear the hats and that, and you've got the stickers and the cars and the bags and all that paraphernalia. Yeah. And, it, and the reason that's important that we give them to competitors, and same with marathons and Ironman, the reason you wear the swag and get all the gear, uh, and the reason they push it is because people go, I want to be like you. Exactly. So they it's want the it, flex. They, it is, yeah. They want a little bit of that pie, and you go, oh, I want that shirt. I better go do an Ironman. How do you know you went to GTM if you didn't get a hoodie? Yeah. You know, so, it's one of those things. It's actually, it's crazy. The festival mentality. I like. I look at this as a, as a merchant. Yeah. Right. So I go, okay. So you're gonna set aside your 150 bucks for the ticket, accommodation. 150 bucks. You're at 300. You're gonna get a hoodie, no less than 80. Yeah. You're at 380 dollars. You haven't bought drinks. You haven't got transport. You haven't got the the crap that you buy the ten minutes beforehand yeah. that you don't need. You haven't got the outfit. You haven't got the shoes. You know, you have there's there's it's probably a thousand dollars you spend each time, and a tenth of it is on apparel that you never wear again. Yeah. What are we doing? You know. So from my point of view, I go, well, how do I get in bed with the people who organise these events? So then I can be the one who's creating all of these. Hoods. Well, you know, and you need to not be inside the event. You need to be outside the front gate. So when it gets cold and they're all running across again to Kmart, you can grab them and go, look, we're here. You'll be back inside 30 seconds. Give us 30 bang, bucks. Bang, so bang. I'll throw money at you. Dude, run back inside. You can tap and go and I'll chuck it over the fence That's, for yeah, you. Yeah. 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 Well, this is, we had this um, two weekends ago. I had a situation where this stock here, actually to your right, I was like, I've got a, I've got all this stock that isn't dead stock, but in two months' time, it's dead stock. Yep. We got winter goods. We got t-shirts that are, you know, they're warm. They were hot two months ago. They're warm now, and they're on the way to being cold. So what do I do? Well, I'm going to go to markets. Yeah. So I go, okay, what markets have we got this weekend? We've got, you know, nothing against any of these Jalorit markets, Bunbury markets. Okay, the reality of a market is, on a Saturday morning, you're standing there next to some dude you don't know who's asking you questions that don't really matter, don't add up to anything. Oh, hell, you are, 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 oh, it's cool. I've got a daughter that I don't care, right? Mm. And then heaps of people doing the walk past, not even looking at you. And then yeah, I know that one. And... You kind of like, it's like, oh, eye contact. No, it's yeah. just, I'm, I'm exactly. being kind by perusing, but I'm really not interested. But Correct. I'm going to make you feel, yeah. Right? So then I, I'm, I'm on the events page on Facebook and I see base invaders. And I'm like, oh my, this is so obvious because every time I go into town on a Friday and Saturday night, people walk up to me, black ink. Black ink. I'm like, let's put the product in between me and that interaction. So I set up at the top of the stairs at the Prince. So you walk up, you see me, and then you go into the event on the right. Now, the first two hours maybe did, you know, 200 bucks. The the following three hours, I could not keep up. Because once they get that liquid courage and they come out like, oh, I've seen the video, I've seen this podcast, I've seen this bit of content, I like this, cool, man. They're 50 bucks, they're 70 bucks, the socks are free if you get three t-shirts and all of a sudden, just things are flying off the, because you've got a lubricated buyer. You've also got the fact that like the one thing that people identify me through, I now can synthesize that into a product for them so they can then go, yeah, I want to be a part of that because everyone says, oh, I've been meaning to put in an order. We'll yeah. do it right now. I'll tell you what, I'll do one better. The shirts are right here. Yeah. And then you go all of a sudden, bang, 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 off you go. You know, put the product in front of someone when they want to buy it and they're ready to buy it. Yeah, alcohol's got a lot to answer for. Yeah. Um, I, uh, we had an um, uh, auction recently and I ran an auction at uh, Dirt and Dust and the pig on the spit was a little bit delayed. Right. And so uh, the team came up and said, oh, we should, we'll do the auction now uh, because the, you know, dinner's going to be an hour late. And I was like, no, no, it's fine. Everyone's enjoying it. We're at a 
microbrewery or waiting to go. Oh, yeah, yeah. Waiting, waiting, waiting. That's two and a half more drinks. Yeah, well, well, probably four and a half the way they drink. Yeah. But um, anyway, by the time we had dinner, let, let, you know, didn't obviously want them out of it. Yeah. Um, I think I sold a, a blanket to someone for $500. Amazing. So. Oh, imagine being there the next morning. I know. <laughs> and because uh, uh, he forgot his wife's, no, sorry, it was his anniversary. And yeah. all he said to his wife for his anniversary is thumbs up. So uh, oh, I know, yeah. So I stitched him up with this blanket, five hundred bucks, yeah. which was quite easy in the end. Yeah, but alcohol's got a lot to answer for. Yeah, Why I drink. I um, <laughs> obviously, like my my all my previous collections, I've actually like made sure that there's alcohol within reach. Mm. Um, the first one I did it in a bar. The second one I did next to a bar or a couple of doors up from a bar. But this was another level. Yeah, you know, like being inside the bar but not having anything to do with it just kind of like being adjacent to an event that's happening in there. It's exactly what you said. It's yeah. like standing outside the gate of GTM going like, who wants a hoodie? And it's freezing, Yeah, you know? Yeah, and I mean, you know, there's, it's it's interesting when you uh, reflect on it that it requires alcohol for people to engage at some point. Oh, yeah, like yeah, 100%. You know, then it's funny, you know, like I tend to live 90% of my life as the merchant yeah. and not the consumer. And then when I'm the consumer, like I had this uh, moral... Uh, crossroads not moral just like I had a like situation where I was like I really wanted this thing online it's expensive it has no real purpose in my life other than it's really cool Cool. and I was like this thing's $380 I was like man $380 on a night out is the first quarter yeah it's the first quarter go have fun you know, and I, I, I well, and you have to have that realism. I mean, the amount of money that people—another reason I don't drink—it's money. But the amount of money we spend on alcohol, yeah, um, or going out to eat, and all these other things, and then you look when you want to have those, I guess, um, comfort purchases. Yeah, and you go, oh, and then you you bring it back to reality. It's all right. If I don't go out this weekend, I'm going to be able to afford this. Yeah, and something else. Yeah, it's crazy. So Do you know how many Hot Wheels you can buy for three hundred and eighty dollars? A lot. It'd be in the real. I mean, it's over a hundred. It's hundred. Is that like more than that wall? Well, there's five hundred and something on the wall. Yeah. There's like another bit there, and then there's more in boxes. And that thing that I bought for three hundred eighty bucks the other night was a <laughs> it was a collectible Hot Wheel. <laughs> and then they released another one twelve hours later for one hundred and seventy, and I bought that too. Okay. <laughs> but I've also been sober for a month, so I guess this is kind of the fucking the little bow on our conversation it, it just goes to show you know and that's that's literally the thing i had was i was like it's not that i don't have the money it's the fact that it's 380 dollars. Yeah. that's so much money yeah. but to check your bank account in the morning after and you're adding it up and you're like i spent 500 dollars at fitzy's and yeah. i don't remember drinking that much yeah. i also don't remember buying the drinks yeah. but that's how easy it is because yeah. every time you're like oh yeah 20 60 40 and I guess it's that it's priorities and where you want your life to head as well. Yeah. I mean, if it's as long as it's not causing harm, you know, it's it's fine. But yeah. if you want to take your business to the next level, 100%. and you want to keep progressing and moving forward, obviously, then you start not necessarily making sacrifices, but you start going, what's necessary to get me to the next level? Yeah. Uh, what can I do without? And if you know, um, alcohol and partying uh, five nights a week. It's dropped back two nights a week and then yeah. that can help you get to the next level and they're the sacrifices you make. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I tell you what, I've done a lot of um, like retrospective analysis of like who I am as a person because uh, my sobriety speaks more to uh, medicinal marijuana than it does drinking. Mm. And I and the amount of like, I, the amount of like uh, excuses I make for myself 
and you have to like, for me, I kind of actualize it like understanding that, you know, addiction is your voice telling you something that isn't true. Yeah. And like, you think when you're a kid that addiction is like the devil talking to you, like, yeah, have another drink, have another cigarette. And it's not, it's your voice saying like, why not have one more? Yeah. You know? Um, and, uh, but I guess even though you look at your past, you've got to remember that everything that's been in your past is why you are who you are now. Correct. Correct. So, although... Uh, you made mistakes. Uh, well, I don't know if you made mistakes. I made mistakes. But no, you know, we, ha- we have a lot of mistakes and regrets in our past. They've all led us to where we are today. Yeah, yeah, of course. all brought us to this moment. Of course. And without those mistakes, we wouldn't be chatting here today. I think the big thing I learned is uh, I haven't had that sober. I tend to do a month sober at least once a year yeah. with this kind of lifestyle that I live. Um, but I think one of the big things was, was like, you know, I turned 31 in a month. And I haven't, I hadn't been a 30 year old sober for that long. Mm. And I feel like this year, I really like, you've kind of seen everything that's happened for me this year. Started with the citizen of the year and then talks about running for council and the business has kind of blossomed in every different capacity I could have ever ever imagined. And I've really had a chance to like sit back and be like, oh, not only is there so much stuff that's happened, but I'm so abundant in opportunity right now that I'm putting the blinders onto by A, going out on a Saturday night. Like that puts the blinders up until like Tuesday afternoon. Because yeah. all I'm doing is surviving, yeah. you know? And waking up on a, you know, on a Monday morning for the fourth time in a row. And it's like, it's not like I'm just not hungover. I'm so sharp. Someone calls me on the phone and I turn it into business. Yeah. And I would just call in to see how I am. You know, you walk down the street, you knock into someone. Hey, you just wonder if I could. Yeah, of course. Let me take down some details. All of a sudden, whether it's coincidentally people are giving me more business or whether it's me being more apt to the opportunity or a combination of both. The growth in the past 30 days has been so obviously apparent to me that's like, okay, maybe we need to dial back on all of that sort of mentality yeah. and just kind of like really, like I'm, I'm 31, just about 31. We've got a great opportunity to turn this cool thing yeah. into a scalable company. Man, I've got I to take that seriously. Yeah. I spent like eight years partying. That was cool. But, but you've got to remember that the partying and all that, even though it was good, was still part of the brand. Yeah, 100%. And so all of that... Uh, was what's got you here now. Because yeah. possibly without some of that, you probably wouldn't have made the connections. And, oh, 75% uh, of it. Yeah, it, it's, it's, it opened up all those doors. But there is a time, I guess, when you have to go, well, what's the next step? Yeah. Uh, am I just going to be, um, you know, three-day-a-week Jake or am I going to be seven-day-a-week? I feel like at the moment, I'm eight-day-a-week Jake. Eight-day-a-week Jake. I'm doing some shit now that yeah. I never thought was possible. i tell you what, there is, there is definitely a factor... That like I've spoken about this with a few other people uh, in business and like I would say with a similar mentality to what I have, there is a certain trust that you have with someone you do business with. That trust is elevated when you party with them. Mm. You know, like if I know this dude throws down and can sink, you know, whatever it is, you know, 24 beers in a row and still hold a conversation, I trust him more. I trust her more than the person who I see after six beers getting shark eyes. It's like, I know who you are when things turn bad yeah i know if there's a confrontation you're not going to meet me in the middle you're going to try and hold as much as you can yeah. you know and like the bloke who goes round for round going to the bar like i'll get the next round you get the next round it's like sweet you've got a good ebb and flow of of how you deal with situations and i can see that when the guard's down so when the guard's up and it's a wednesday afternoon and you've got a price dispute about a product that i offer or the other way around i can call you up and say hey Ben, what's up? And you'll say, oh, this is what's up. Here's why it's this expensive. Cool, that's all I needed to know. Instead of being like, no, 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 you know, which we've all dealt with before as well. 
So there is definitely uh, something just, to... Yeah, and it's just different kind of networking. I was having a conversation with someone recently that the art of networking dying for a lot of people. Mm. Now, you're, I think, and more so probably my generation, I guess the uh, the middle-aged people, I hate that term, someone called me middle-aged recently, and I went, oh, yeah. Hell oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it seems to be reviving a little bit. You know, you've got yourself, got the Reese Fiends, you've got Rory, uh, you've got the guys over at Last Slice. Mm-hmm. There's a sort of up-and-coming guys who are probably more bolted around that 30 year age and they seem to be reinventing networking and making it work for themselves right. and creating connection again and bringing their community together. But I noticed that there's been a bit of a generational gap. So I reckon the, the I don't see it and feel it as much and the importance of it much between say the, the late 30s and to late 40s. Mm. It seems to be missing. Why do you think that is? Oh, who knows? It's just the ebbs and flow of society mm. because you look at where, where networking come from and, and it's usually more business orientated. Yeah. We're going through a real restructure that the mum and dad family businesses have all really died out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's not, they're, they're still out there and there's fantastic businesses out there. Yeah. But you, now you don't have your local hardware stores, you just have there's a no couple local of giant, fishing stores. There's couple no of local, giant bunnings. Yeah, you know, yeah. You, local fishing stores, what we've got, one... Um, Whiteleys, Whitleys out at Australind. Oh, probably, yeah, yeah. Probably the only one I can think off the top of my head. And all the rest have been like the past 18 months. Yeah, uh, but they were sort of gone away from that. And so there's not as much need for, I guess, that business networking. And when the business networking dies out, it just seems that all the other networking yeah. dies out. But network, you know, it's that web that holds community together. Right. And it's, it's, it's knowing who you can call and who you can do this and now with digitization of friendships being online mm. you know interactions the way people communicate is completely different right and I'm, I'm a big um, yeah I'm a big online user as well and consumer yeah so I'm yeah, a bit at fault but networking face-to-face networking bringing people together and collaboration and knowing you know, who to ask and building those relationships so yeah. when you've got an idea or you've got a problem you can just pick up the phone and someone's going to answer yeah and you know we're going to we're going to resolve it i think um yeah but you guys are bringing it back yeah so i think the gap there is uh there's there's been a change in comfortable atmosphere i think there's three answers to the question mm. i asked you and i realized that as you were answering because you were highlighting some interesting points i think the big one that probably doesn't seem relatable but will make sense is the destruction of the what do they call it the nuclear family or the normal family where it's like you got mum dad two and a half kids yeah. there's no mum and dad together anymore there's no solid father figures in the household teaching especially young men how to communicate how to be brave and how to be i say brave is probably not the right word how to have a conversation yeah. how to put my thoughts on the table and be like that's how i feel yeah. and if you don't like it that's all good and if you have a differing opinion that's all good as well i listen to you and you listen to me i think that has fallen apart a little bit i think obviously combine that with the digital conversation you know people can write something oh, it doesn't look right i'll delete it write it again oh, it's too long i'll delete it oh, it's too short i'll put yeah. an emoji on there too much time to be able to edit what you're saying. Yeah, it's you know? not a natural conversation. Right. So then and we, we all do it. Yeah, and then <laughs> you go to sit down in bloody last slice and someone says something and you're like, I'm just going to say yeah. nothing at all because I don't know, because I haven't practiced the skill and the art of conversation, yeah. right? I think also when you look at what people deem as comfortable these days, the one big thing that I go for, like I'm very specific about where I'll have coffee, where I'll go out for dinner, where I'll have meetings because I need to be comfortable. And I think what especially Casey and Jeremy have honed in on at Last Slice and even the boys from Little Spencer is comfortable spaces and choice within those comfortable spaces. 
So little Spencer, I went there the other day, sat down inside, yeah. gets busy. We moved to the Alfresco area, it gets busier. Yeah. So we end up sitting in the park. I was there for 45 minutes, I had three different experiences. Yeah. And they were all great. And it's like, as soon as I was like, ah, they can hear my conversation. That's cool, you can go over here if yeah. you want. That's cool, you go over there if you want. That's really important. So I think people, the, the people that we've got here in Bunbury that are kind of these, I call them thought leaders, they're paying attention to what people really want. Yeah. They're not relying on these old models of like, this is how business works, yeah. this is how networking works. They're going, well, well, just forget all of the stuff. How do you feel when you sit in a place and it's too loud? Yeah. Feel like shit? Yeah. All right, let's do something about that. You know, We'll make it a bit quieter over here or we'll make the tables a bit more spaced out over there. And then what happens? You make it and they come. And if it's good, they stay. And that's exactly what we're seeing now. So I think the comfortability the um, providing places where people can feel safe and com comfortable in their conversations and not be listened to by, you know, some dude over here that's sitting this far away from mm -hmm. you. I think that's a big, big thing. But also as well, like, I think you do see the revolutions of thought leaders come through. And like the big thing I've had this year is meeting the last generation of thought leaders yeah. and seeing how, like, what they prioritize, how they communicate, what their key words are yeah. and understanding how to communicate with them, but also going like, oh, there actually is a gap between how you execute and how I execute, doesn't mean I'm doing it wrong. It just means that it's changed and yeah. I'm aligning myself with that. But there's also a lot to learn when we cast back into that conversation and go, oh, like I was talking to, I'm probably not gonna name anyone, but I was talking to one of the old brass about uh, some things that happened in Bunbury, let's say 25, 30 years ago. And he goes, we get to a point where if the council didn't do something, we'd just get our mach machines to go do it. Yeah. We'd go make the change because we believe that it was gonna be good for Bunbury. Yeah. We have the capacity to do it, so why would we not? Yeah. We'd rather beg for forgiveness than ask for permission and get knocked back over and over and over again. Yeah. You're like, oh, are you allowed to do that? Not at no, all. Not at all. But, no. but pe people do. Um, it causes headaches, but um, people do. But I think that's you know, one of the most important things about empowering communities. Mm -hmm. is when you strengthen communities, you empower community, uh, you know, governments have, to, governments have to govern less. Yeah. Which is really important. So when you empower community, I guess, to be able to make those decisions, make changes, support themselves, the government just really has to almost run the books in the end. If it's got the right policies and procedures right. in place and, and it nurtures a strong uh, community and culture that look after each other, mm. that support each other, uh, and I mean, Bunbury is a fantastic place to live because you look at all the amazing uh, events and groups and it doesn't matter who you are, what you are, you can find your place in this yeah. city. And it's not easy to do in a lot of cities. We're so diverse in our little eight kilometres by eight kilometres. Yeah. Um, but there is so much support out there and it really makes it a lot easier for local government, especially and all governments, when you've got that strong sense of community and those strong bonds. Yeah. Yeah, well, I think we've, we've only just recently crossed over a threshold where... You know, you go to Perth and you can like dress up as a cat and do whatever you want because you have amenity. Yes. Bunbury is still at a point where if you dress up as a cat, you're going to run into like half a dozen people that you went to school with. Yeah. And even if they don't tell you something, they're probably going to talk shit about you. Bunbury's still that size. Yeah. We're also big enough that, and like I think this is a really interesting factor, is that as a roller skater, I can roller skate around the inlet by myself, rollerblade, yeah. and people don't look at me like I'm a weirdo. Yeah. Ten years ago, that didn't happen. Yeah. They're like... How's Jake the rollerblader? Yeah. Huh? Cool rollerblades, but do a trick, do a backflip, you know? Like I've heard that a million times. And now they're like, oh yeah, that's that's the roller skating group, yeah. you know? I think that that kind of represents a bigger fact where it's like now if you're into name the thing. You know what I mean? If you um, like 
I can't, I can't even think of it. And I was going to say like RC cars, but RC cars have been around in Bunbury for forever, you know, but you can really pick a niche. And if it doesn't already exist, you can champion it and people won't look sideways at you. You know, it's like, yeah, we're the Dragon Boat crew or we're the, we're the parasailing, parasailing crew, whatever you want. There is like a thing, if it's not already there and you can be a part of it, it's like we're now in a population the size of start it, make a Facebook group, market it a little bit. You know, the skating group has never been marketed and it has 200 and something members. Like that is such a great example of like Bunbury is primed to just really start, like what isn't already existing can just be built on top of. Yeah, and I think the uh, the skating group's a fantastic example, and I know I've discussed it before, but you know, community isn't one thing. Community, right. There's the community that you live in, there's your local neighborhood community, there's the community you've created um, around skating. And so, you know, for someone like me to come along, you know, not the fittest person in the world, and definitely not gonna be on skates, but oh, yeah, I'll hop on a um, skater yeah. and, and flog around. Um, you look at, you go, right, Mondays and Thursday nights, I really look forward to ducking down, being able to catch up with you and Janine and yeah, all the other guys the and have those conversations with people and just be out around Bunbury, celebrate Bunbury and you've created, I guess, that magnet to bring people together and, you know, it's where I met the missus. Yeah, so yeah. Without, which is with, amazing from which my is point weird, of view. Yeah. Um, which is just amazing that it's just come out because you like skating. Yeah. Um, yeah. But that's that's why, you know, again, we talk about strong community. You build those strong communities. It has ripple effects throughout the whole city, yeah. bigger and broader than, than you believe. Because you look at um, a couple of the other people, you know, they come, they might have had tough day at work, but they come, they go, you know, have a nice skate, uh, you know, get all the adrenaline through the body, and yeah, the system yeah. flushes out, and all the bad thoughts leave you, and you go home, you had some fresh air. You have better interactions with your loved ones at home. Right. You're a bit happier with your children. You have a good night's sleep because you've been out and about doing some exercise, which yeah. means you get up to go to work the next day and you're much more amenable, you're more productive. And so yeah. it's all these knock-on effects. You you're know? a better person yeah. just because you went skating on Monday night. Yeah. So And that's the same for, for all kinds of sports and, and hobbies and everything people are involved oh, in. Oh, and like now we go past Kambana Bay on Monday nights, all the volleyballs. Out oh, that there. was cool last night. And now you're like, oh... Do you guys want to like pull up for half an hour and we'll, yeah. we'll see if we can do something here as well? You know, because that's the thing. Like, I feel like on Monday, like, don't get me wrong. Like, 50% of the time, I don't want to go. Yeah. But the thing's bigger than me. Yeah. The thing is damn bigger than me. And 100% of the time when I have that feeling, I go home thinking, I'm so glad that I yeah. went. Even the times when I rock up and I, it's funny, actually, I'm not sure if I told you last week or the week before, on the Thursday night, there was a two girls, they're in year seven at BCC and they come skating and they always do things at their pace. Yeah. So we'll, we'll be skating up there and those two will just be back there just just gossiping yeah. the whole time, just doing their thing. And I was like, I'm going to skate a lap at the inlet with these two year seven girls. How, what, what do we have to talk about? Yeah. You know, like, and do they just want me to do my own thing and they can skate by themselves? Like, I have no idea. And like, when I got there, I wasn't in the mood either. Yeah. And I'm like, are you kidding me? This is my Thursday night. Yeah. The first half, sure, that I was just me skating and every now and then I'm like, you're all good. They're like, yeah, 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 we're all good. And the second half, we start talking. Yeah. And the stuff that I learned about what these kids are going through in high school was rattling to begin with. But it was really cool that it's like, I now have this like knowledge of like what's going on. Yeah. Like what the experience is for these kids these days. Yeah. And we're talking about some pretty rough stuff about bullying, suicide, self-harm, things like this. 
and just kind of seeing what their stance was. So and, different these days, isn't it? It is. And I mean, I'm a you know, they're a generation probably behind you. I'm a generation in front, and I think about high, my memories of high school and what we did. You know, it was still sex ed, and it was the old cat videos and those yeah, kinds yeah, of things, yeah. and putting condoms on bananas. Yeah. Uh, to what it's moved into today, and the, the things that the young people are exposed to, it's just crazy. It is crazy. And the conversations you have, the conversations I have with um, like my niece and stuff, and I'm going, where do you know this? Another friend, her daughter's must be nine or t- no ten, and some of the conversation I, I have, and all she talks about, you go, how do you, how does she know? Yeah, cognitively to ask these questions and have these conversations with you. Yeah, it's just crazy. Where's that going to lead up to? You know, for us, we went to school. You went, you went to school. You had the same teacher. Da da. You did your subjects left. Nowadays, you have got these specialised schools. You know, if you want to go down a certain career path, you go to Bunbury High. If you want to do this, yeah, you go yeah. to BCC. Um, it's just yeah, it's it so complex. And there seems to be more choice, and it is interesting about where that early freedom of choice will leave people later in life if they don't know how to follow. Oh, what a wild social experiment we're running and hoping and just like, please work, please work. Yeah, because you know? there's never really, throughout, if you look really throughout human history, there's always been leaders and followers. Yeah. And knowing how to follow is a very good trait because obviously you know, there's that sheep mentality. Yeah, you fit into the groove, you understand what's expected. Yeah, yeah. And you know, you create, or you create order and you stay away from chaos and mm-hmm. everyone sort of fits in their little silos. But it'll be interesting to see where we go in the future now that I guess people are, um, there's probably more leaders and more free thinkers out there, which mm. isn't a bad thing, but it's going to be interesting to see where we go when, when certain sections of society and people start going to full-time work. It's like, you need to arrive now. You need to wear this uniform. You need to act to this you know, code yeah. of behavior and all this. And when you add in now with the um, WSH uh, Act, Work health safe, work safety health, whichever way it is. Yeah. You know, the um uh the, the psycho um oh now you basically have to be psychosocial responsibility to businesses. So now at business owners, you've got to be aware of the psychosocial responsibilities mm. of your business owners. You have to be proactive in uh, I guess, you know, protecting people from um uh sexual abuse and all these kind of things right. in the workplace and it's so it's so it's changing so much now yeah so it's going to be interesting to see how the free thinkers and the people who are allowed to make so much choice when they slot into a very mechanized and routine sort of yeah um, i think um, i understand what we're if you summarize that things are changing mm. right and like when when the model t came out you know everyone was going to be like well where are the horses going to go yeah. and then you know, like, I'm, I don't know for sure, but I'm guessing when light bulbs came out, they're like, well, what about the candle makers? Yeah. And now the AI is coming out, they're like, what about the truck drivers? Well, we'll figure it out. Yeah. We'll figure it out. But the one thing that was always, uh, there was always, uh, I guess, the leader and followers. If you go through all that human history, mm. people always followed, I guess, um, somewhat of a similar path, whether it was because of religion and society you, you, you moved in. But when we start, we, you know, now we're nurturing a society of three free things and you can do this and you can do anything you want and that kind of stuff. It is going to be more interesting to see how people will slot in to routine because you need routine. A business, business can't not open between eight and five. It, you know, it has to open in those hours. You know, you have to wear the uniform. You have to have your lunch break when you're told to have the lunch break. Um, for the business to remain viable and, you know, to service the community. So there's going to be an interesting clash, I think, of, 
in the next couple of generations. There'll be yeah, there'll be an interesting clash of um, beliefs meeting yeah. reality. Yeah. You know, I remember I uh, when I was in, I went to BCC and got kicked out, and then went to Newton Moore, and I did six months, and then went to Bunbury High. While I was at Newton Moore, uh, Bunbury High. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's where it all. Yeah. Well, that's where it crescendoed for me actually, because <laughs> yep. I ended up becoming a professional speed skater and moving to Europe. All the rest. While I was at Newton Moore. Really, I never knew that. Yeah, yeah I spent a year in uh, Holland, just fucking kicking ass, and then eventually <laughs> quitting. <laughs> uh, but I, um, yeah, I threw this kid's shoe in the bin at Newton Moore, and like one thing I learned at Newton Moore is like basically what you can and can't get away with, mm. and what you can't get away with is most things. Yeah. You know, because uh, I threw this kid's shoe in the bin. He's like, get it out, and I was like, no. And he just socked me, eh? Mm. Just dropped me like a bag of hot shit on the ground. And then I realized like, oh, there are definitely consequences to being a smart ass. Yeah. You know? And there's none of that in school anymore. There's none of that. It's all verbal, 20%, then 80% is online after hours. Yeah. You know? And the only way you can retaliate now is telling a teacher, I'm not going to do that. Tell your parent not going to do that. Retaliate online. Mm. Hit them where they hit me. And the problem is with that is it's all psychological. Yeah. It's all emotional. There's no rubber meat in the road. And I feel like there's a big problem there because I think what you're, a distinction to be made in leaders, and I say this as a leader, I identify as a leader. I'm not trying to be a consumer. I'm trying to be a producer, yeah. right? The difference is execution. Yeah. The difference is, yeah, you got a, a great idea, do something. I'm three years into a great idea and it still kills me every day. Yeah. You know, like, Fucking do something. Show up. Be the thing. I think the one thing that gives me uh, a lot of hope lately is again is that I get that generation of leaders I see coming up at the moment, um, and it's great to see the chamber sort of you know focusing I guess on young leaders, so mm-hmm. that under forty group. Um, and again, Reese Veen, I know he's running that for the chamber. And I mean, we went to that um, under forties networking event. It was yeah. great. And I was surprised. I couldn't believe how many people you know. And Very you make interesting. Great contacts. And you have those conversations, and you go. Wow, where have you guys been? Why aren't you, why aren't you a lot more visible mm. in the greater network? Like you network well with each other, but it's like we need you to network with everybody. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and get out there because, hey, it's good for, it's good interaction. Those those leaders who have been there and done it all, and now in their sixties and seventies and retired, um, if they're cut off from that, um, they don't see it. They don't understand what's happening. But if you can connect them to that, I think you give them a lot of pride to go. Well, this is. They started a lot of this, mm. you know. If you think about Bunbury in the the sixties and seventies, and where they've taken Bunbury, yeah, to now be able to to bring them back, you know, this is what the latest generation of leaders are doing. This is you guys set the the building blocks for it. You guys are building the skyscrapers on top of the foundations yeah. now. Um, and, but yeah, I'd love to see that networking bring everyone back together. I yeah, it's great opportunities. I think um, as someone who like definitely, I hate the word networking, but I understand the importance that it has. Like obviously there's kind yeah, of- but you, That's all you do. All you do is network. No, no. I build culture within community, which then by, a byproduct of that is having a network. Uh, yeah, but it's still networking. Right. So, and obviously networking is you have all the dots and it's like connecting them as many ways as possible yeah. so that this person actually eventually ends up knowing that person by default through all the things. Yeah. And I think like, see, I, I run a, a networking thing once a month, which is called Boys Club. I get yeah. a coffee van that comes here and I invite everyone. Yeah. Everyone, I got a list, there's like 40 people on there. And the amount, and like no one time does everyone come, yeah. but every time you get a different group of blokes yeah. that only in the last 10 minutes do they go like, what do you do? Oh, I own a restaurant, what yeah. do you do? Oh, I've actually got a steel, and then you start going like, this is cool because 
it's the the old school networking is well we need an electrician on board we need a plumber on board we need a, a, a painter on board that's not networking people and people see through shit but see people see through that so clearly now mm. because they're so scared of being utilized as a thing that they have to offer right people don't people are more focused on soft skills and hard skills now so when you do this and you go hey it's just free coffee it's just free coffee. Yeah. I want you to accidentally find out that you all own businesses because then you're going to trust each other. You've, yeah. you've partied with them before you did business with them. Yeah. And that to me is like, you go, okay, well, where does that networking exist? That networking exists in a way that is unassuming, right? And that's when you see like the real power of, uh, of like building that because that's what you're trying to do with networking is build is A, meet them and then trust them and then do business yeah. with them. So if we can get people to trust each other, it's like you need to build these things by default, have these things happen and then, then meet by default and then start doing business. Uh, yeah, but I think a lot of the, the way networking has been done in the past, with Tate Rotary, which is very old school, you know, 100 and something years old, that's what it was. I mean, even though you went in with the intention, it was still by default. You put a group of people in the room together, you have 50 or 60 people, and over time, you, you, you know, a couple of years, you, you sort of meet everybody and you mm. get involved in their lives and they become sort of you know this extended family i guess yeah so that again when you've got um when you've got an idea when you've got a, a problem when you need somebody you know who to call yeah uh, and you know what's happening out throughout all of bunbury and all of society because you know you've got your network which is these people who've got their network, which is those people. Right. And, you know, it's that, um, Bunbury's probably, what, two degrees separation, I reckon? Yeah. Between every single person. Yeah, 2.5. Yeah. Yeah. It was like the other day, um, uh, I, I met somebody and, uh, you know, I was having a chat to them and they work at one of the mobile phone um, places. Right. And my auntie came up to me and she goes, oh, I said, I'll go look for the guy that looks like me with a little bit longer beard. Right. Um, and just tell him Ben sent you and da-da-da. And I only just had a conversation, you know, I work here, cool. That's it. And that's all it was. Yeah. It was like, got, got him in my brain. I yeah. said, go see Rich. Uh, he'll sort you out. Um, and, and he did. Yeah. Because I had a conversation with somebody. And we sort of, you know, traded the ideas, this or that. And then the next time I needed somebody who worked in, needed a mobile phone, I was like, oh, go see this guy here. For sure, for sure. And that's, that's how it happens, you know. I feel like I, I'm, in a, I'm in an advantageous position, Black Ink being a coffee van in its um, infancy. Yeah. I like had a network by default, yeah. you know. It's like I knew someone from every yeah. trade. And then I speak with young blokes my age, and I say young blokes 30 and under that are like either just starting or they're in the first 12 months, and they're like, I want to build my network, yeah. you know? It's like, honestly, if you want to build your network and you don't want to inject yourself into a rotary or a, yeah. what's the thing that meets on Tuesday mornings? B&I. B&I or, or, yeah. or something yeah. along, you know, if you want to build, honestly, just go like one day a week, you set four hours in the yeah. morning from 7 a.m. until 11 a.m., Go and buy two coffees at a time and walk into businesses. Yeah. Who's the owner? Can I sit down? What What, what do you do? What do you, yeah. What's the problems that you have to solve here? What do you, what, What's your best um, product? Where do you make all your money? Can I help you in any way? Can you help me in any way? You know, and even if you just walk out of there just knowing that like, right, you know, Richie does phones. Sweet, I've got a phone guy. Yeah. Go buy another two coffees. You know, make it a hot chocolate for you otherwise by lunchtime you're going to be fucking railed. <laughs> point being, if you do that for a month, you will have a network. Yeah. You have 20 new names in your Rolodex that now you need your roof painted. I know Leighton. Yeah. You need car tires. I got Mick. You know, I, I need shit printed. I'll go see Shane. Yeah. You know, and it's like, it's so people, I feel like 
the, the, the networking idea is almost this mountain that people look at where I've got to meet 20 people at once. Yeah. You don't. No, but again, I don't. I think that skill has been lost. Mm. I feel uh, that a lot of people in my generation, I, I didn't see it as much. Mm. Uh, and I look at people and, you know, we still have friends in Facebook because, again, Facebook's how you ended up network and facebook's a great networker i mean there's people that for some reason hop on your facebook or you know through your mutual friends and this or that and someone say oh, i need something or other and you go actually i've seen such and such on my facebook page i mentioned them hey it's ben you never met but yeah you know, can you help with that bang connect two people yep cool no worries go Done, on yeah so i get you know it still works but i guess it's that that one-on-one networking i think is still king yeah yeah for sure you said just before that thing is a skill yeah how do you get better at skills Practice, practice, yeah. practice, yeah. practice, practice, practice. Like, dude, I, I have fucking 20 phone calls a day and I still don't like the way they end. I'm still honing that particular skill in. But one day, I'll get like 10 in a row that end just perfectly. Oh, yep, thanks for your time. I swear, catch you later, bite, hang up. The timing's right. No one feels a little bit awkward, whatever. And I've been doing that for years. Well, it's going to be interesting to see if you didn't have the coffee van, if you would be the person you are today. Yeah. Uh, no, because I most likely would have become a truck driver earlier and I would just be depressed and pent up and angry that the world owes me something, yeah. which is what I see in a lot of people, you know, like I think I've got to a point now where people have almost alienated me as this like dude who, you know, I used to be the guy who was like on his way and like in a certain frame now, I'm kind of like already there to some people. Mm. And in a way, I feel that because now I told you I identify as a leader. Yeah. I don't identify as someone new in business. Like I'm in business. I've been surviving. Yeah. I'm good. You know, like I'm still struggling, but I'm good. I'm going to keep doing this until I die. Yeah. If this fails, I'll do some other shit and I'll get good at that. And I think when I see people, especially like other blokes my age that are just doing that thing that they've done for 10 years now, it's like, I get it. Your life is a life of silent desperation. You fucking hate everything. You don't want to admit it to yourself and it's a very subconscious peripheral thing to you, but that's the reality of what's going on. And because of that, you can't have a positive outlook on things. You can't possibly have a positive perception of something that is actually good that's in front of you. You don't even like your missus anymore. You don't even like the good parts about your dog. You just see the holes that they dig in the grass. You know what I mean? It's like, that's what happens when you don't be uncomfortable for a certain period of time yeah. and then find that comfort in discomfort. Yeah. That just manifests over and over and over until it's a ball of negativity that you forget you're in the center of and you can't get yourself out of it anymore. So yeah, if I didn't have that coffee van that forced me to be uncomfortable a hundred times a day, yeah. every day of the week until well, next time. Well, it you to have conversations, isn't it? Right. And then those conversations turned into repeat customers who then that was your, that was the, you know, the, the, the birthplace, birthplace of your network. Correct. Uh, who then, you know, by the time you went out and you met shop owners and these and you started having your regular, um, uh, your regular spots come to and all of a sudden your network grew organically. Yeah. Uh, and it gave you those skills to have those one-on-one conversations and while you're waiting for the uh, milk to froth, it's like, oh, how's your day, what you been up to, how's yeah, business, yeah, yeah. all these kind of little micro-conversations, which then help shape you into the, the mega network that you are. I think um, that was a big thing. I always said, I don't sell coffee, I sell a conversation yeah. with a free coffee on the side. Yeah. And that's like, you know, you start identifying yourself through that and then subconsciously you start shaping the monster that shows up yeah. as it's like, oh, well, smile at them. Smile at them. First thing, we got them, we got them on our side. Sweet. Yeah. Now, what are they doing? How are you? Yeah, bloody oath. What's their language? Do they respond to swearing? Yeah. Do they respond to conservative conversation? Yeah. Do they respond to silence? Yeah. Do they respond to you letting them speak first? Yeah. Then you get all of these skills. And now, 
I, I see it. I see people watching me have got like my missus says it all the time. She's like, it's annoying to watch you have conversations because you just it's like you control the whole thing. Yeah. You know. Yeah. It's like yeah, fucking oath. Well, yeah, you know where you want to go. I've done the apprenticeship. You, you, you know. You know the you know uh, the interaction you got the you and you know what the return on the investment is that you want to have from that conversation. Right. Yeah. Now let's um let's talk about Bunbury. Bunbury has this thing in general that when you speak to people and especially if you go on forums about Bunbury on Facebook. Yeah. People think that Bunbury's not that great. People have this, oh, Bunbury's shit. The council don't do anything. We used to have this great jetty and we used to have this great fucking, you know, fill in the blank. We, we used to have all these great things and now Bunbury's this like hellhole. Yeah. Where do you think, like, my honest opinion is Bunbury fucking slaps. <laughs> it's so good. So but, where do you think this opinion might come from? Oh, but the opinion is just social media. Right. And that, I think there lies the problem. Social media is a platform that just allows, I guess, people who see things in a certain way and those squeaky wheels to have a voice. Mm. Uh, if you didn't have social media, you wouldn't be hearing about these problems. Um, Bunbury is a great place to live. Mm. You know, it's it's the it's the centre of the southwest, basically. Yeah. Um, massive opportunities for for jobs, employment, economic development, tourism. Uh, but I think. I think people misunderstand the place of, I guess, local government in the grand scheme of things, which doesn't right. help. And, you know, you talk about uh, the old Timber Jetty, uh, very unfortunate uh, that we, we lost that. Yep. But as you know, because we skate up and down the Jetty, um, Road, yeah. Jetty Road, you've got a fantastic new facility there, mm. which is just as good. Uh, in yeah. some ways. Oh, from my uh, point of view, it's we couldn't skate on the old jetty. No. You know? No. Well, yeah. Obviously, that's a biased opinion, but it's like as a resident of Bunbury yeah. who pays taxes, it's like, that's actually kind of really cool. Yeah. It's and a, now it's they a put tourists along there as well. Yeah, it's a wonderful activated space. Uh, there's toilets. There'll be opportunity for fishing once the, the next steps happen. Um, and they talk about some of it. You look at Coolumbini Wooler, the new skate park. Crazy. Um, just one um uh best uh new park in australia for i think it was over five million dollars so mm -hmm. you know that's that's uh, you know australia wide recognized as yeah. one of the great best uh, facilities that's been built in our country right uh you look at our amazing rec center you know, it's only 50 meter pool uh in the southwest yeah uh fantastic sporting ovals you know we're building the new um uh, pavilion over at Hands Oval, which will yeah. host all the grand finals and offer up more opportunities. We've got A-grade soccer pitch. Oh, we've got, you've got everything. Yeah. The, the problem is, is I think we've got to learn how to, I guess, communicate, connect a little bit better with majority of the population. Okay. And I think sometimes everyone's so focused on their day-to-day -day lives. And if, if you probably didn't get that, that award... Um, you'd probably be less focused on what local government's doing anyway, I'm assuming. Like, it really opened your eyes and you started yeah, coming. Yeah, 100%. And you understood the mechanism and the place and, and where it lives. Majority of people, they get up, they've got families, they you know feed the kids, get the kids to school, they go to work, work at 8 till 5, um, they come home, they go to sports, they go to parents for dinner, they have a you know that normal life. Where local government doesn't fit into that. The roads are there, yeah. their the rubbish is getting picked up, the... The playgrounds are getting mowed. We're building the nice new facilities. Um, so they really have got no, you know, there's not a need for the majority of the population to really be focused on what local government's doing because it, it always works well. Mm. If you go into some of the, the, the um, chats in Bustleton, you know, people are saying the same things. 
you look in Perth, they say the same things over east. You know, you've always got those squeaky wheels. Yeah. But I guess it's it's what we need to do is I guess empower the community and create those, um, I guess, um, social media champions for the city to go. Yeah. You know, hey, no, that's not right. You look at what Kyra does uh, from the South Development Commission. You mm. know, she'll get in there and she'll have a conversation with people. And it's like, why do you think that way? Oh, this is it. Oh, well, that's not quite right. You've got uh, X to Z, Y, um, Y, you know, why you, you're wrong, basically. Yeah, um, I think footnote to that, that person needs to be employed by the city of Bunbury and paid $100,000 a year <laughs> because the emotional tax that yeah. that has on you yeah. is insane. Oh, it is. You know, to yeah. see someone like say something aggressive and it's like, bro, do you know what nights council meetings are held on? Because yeah. if you don't, shut the fuck up. Well, I think it was very unfortunate. We only saw about 26% of the population vote. I know we had the referendum at the same time, which muddied the waters a little bit and you probably had a bit of voter fatigue. Um, but majority of people seem to be, seem to be okay. Uh, very rarely. And, you know, we have conversations with people all the time about you know small issues and yet we've got some areas identified and we're trying to work through them unfortunately uh like um, there's a lot of you know boxes tick before something happens mm. and you've got a 10-year uh, financial plan and a four-year corporate business plan so you know boring for most people but you've kind of got your goals and everything set up and you know this is where the money's going to go over the next four years these are the projects we're going to go these are the roads these are the footpaths mm-hmm. there's not a lot of money to i guess vary it yeah. So it's a very structured, the local government's very structured, I guess, in that way. Um, we don't, you know, I get messages, people complaining about hospitals, and it's like, well, you, that's a state government yeah. issue. It's like, let me advocate for you, let me go, you know, um, send an email to Minister Punch if we have to, or this, or go see this person, or go see that person. Yeah. But it's not a local government issue. So I guess there's an apathy and misunderstanding and yeah. you know, those things that come into it. But Bunbury's, I mean, everything you need within Bunbury is with 10 minutes. Yeah. And if you don't have it, you can go up to Perth, be there an hour and 45, basically, at the yeah. airport, well, from where I live in the Glenora. So. Yeah. Um, and, you know, one of the, you look at the um, latest community um, survey that's just been done, um, you'll, you can um, pick up the results from that online. Uh, and it, you know, it shows us where our strengths are, shows us where our weaknesses are. Uh, and I think communication, we do need to work on that a little bit yep. and focus a little bit more energy on the CBD. People want to see the CBD, um, I guess, uh, supported a little bit more. Yep. Um, so you know, we've got plans and things in place to look at some, something like that. The, mm-hmm. you know, again, the priority for community uh, two years ago was community safety. We just uh, endorsed our community safety plan uh, last week to start looking at and addressing some of those issues around you know, why people feel unsafe. Interesting. Um, but again, if you look at uh, WA wide, um, we we're usually always above average uh, in a lot of these things, which is good. Yeah, yeah. But people always say the same thing about where they live, and you always get these champions. Yeah. You get the silent majority who are just happy, and you get the I guess the naysayers. I think one thing you've really highlighted a few different ways is the fact that unfortunately what Facebook did, well, in a way it's unfortunate, Facebook gave everyone a microphone. Mm. You know, so you've got everyone from the person who can't leave their bedroom eating fucking KFC that's been delivered to them, uh, saying, well, I think, well, I think, well, I think, all the way to the person who, like me, who sees like half a dozen comments on, what is it? What's a Bunbury page that everyone comments on? Um, even ask it, answer it. And it's just yep. like, even Kerry Park residents, I remove myself from it because I, I don't have the bandwidth to put up with your 
stupidity, yeah. essentially, and ignorance of information that is readily available from the same Google search you can put in instead of asking that question and giving it a negative connotation at the end of it. Well, I think I think one of the things that I have to focus on is how do we support those people and engage them, and I guess try try and uh, maybe assist them in seeing it in a different light. Right. And I think that's where it comes back to strong communities because. You know, uh, you can look at these comments and you can just go, oh, that's not right, and you move on. Or you can look at those comments and engage them and have a conversation and try and find out the root cause uh, as a community member and go, or go, all right, well, this is this is possibly why this is this. And, you know, you have that freedom. And hopefully there's enough respect to walk away. Yep. And maybe they change their mind. Maybe you realize that there is an actual problem and they are right on something. Mm-hmm. And how do we fix that and how do we do that? And again, out of that, by, by doing that and working, I guess, on that micro-community level, you strengthen the community. 100%. It's, it's a hard, hard slog when you're doing one by one. Um, but everyone, I guess everyone's voice is important to be heard. Uh, it's unfortunate that a lot of people use social media to directly attack and yeah. make false and misleading statements. Uh, that's very unfortunate, and I, you know, you don't like seeing that very much. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, it's how do we? I guess how do we help and have those conversations? And there's a few people out there that do it, and we do it, and you engage, and you, you go, why? Why is it? Uh, you know, why did you say that about this? And what's you know, what is the problem? And can we have a coffee? Yeah. Or go for a walk and go have a look, and you know, we'll explain why it is, and it yeah. may be something that you know from a local government we can fix. Maybe something from a as a private citizen, um, we can mm. fix. Um, I think there's two things that come to mind there. If we kind of put one of uh, the things that I said before and connect it with what you're saying right now, the bloke who lives a silent life of desperation, who actually doesn't like what he does mm. for work and doesn't like his home life and is in too much debt and doesn't appreciate, doesn't like the neighbor, his car broke down. Yeah. And then on the way into his house, he trips over something and takes it out on some other unrelated thing on yeah. Facebook, right? Yeah. So when you put those two together, it makes sense. Yeah. And I empathize for that person, but at the same time... And all we need to do is get a pair of roller skates on them and get them down the let's skate. Let's go, let's go. And go for a skate. That's exactly right. Yeah. That will help a lot. And yeah. also, if it's not skating, grab a couple of bricks in your yard and curl them walking around listening to a podcast. Yeah. Do some bodyweight squats. Yeah. Drink some fucking water. Stop scrolling before you go to bed. Stop drinking alcohol. Stop smoking cigarettes yeah. just for a day and just see what happens. And I think it's really hard for people to find that happy place. Um, and, you know, I know... We're, and we all struggle. We all have our struggles. I mean, I have my struggles. Life's not... It's not meant to be easy. We often think it is because we're fed, I guess, uh, false... Ideology. Ideology of... through Hollywood. You know, that it's always going to be right and the frog's always going to turn into the princess, yada, yada, yada. But in reality, that's not the way it is. It's the... It, it just can't happen. Mm. Um, you know, one minute, uh, have no problems with my um, uh, my car. Uh, next minute, you know, alternate and start... Yeah, you had a string, this. eh? Oh, yeah. And now they're talking gearbox and it's back at the mechanics at the end of the day. Just let me buy a new bloody van. Oh. <laughs> so... Um, so, you know, you go, oh God, why is this happening now? And, you know, it's like, right, you know, money's just going out the door and, you know, bank accounts getting close and close to zero and you go, yeah. you go, all right, let's not stress. Let's mm. go focus. Let's go for a skate. Let's watch some YouTube. Uh, let's go do something I'm happy about. Spend yeah, time yeah. with family, spend time with the girlfriend, um, and just try and keep that positive 
energy, have that conversation, let it out, don't internalize the problem. Yeah, let it manifest into something yeah, else. Yeah, and so, you know, I guess it's trying to be brave enough to have those conversations and find spaces where you're comfortable enough to, to communicate that. And practice those conversations. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's a big but deal. But there's, there's so many, there's so many people um, in this world that are like you described, but then there's so many other people as well who... I guess, you know, struggling financially at the moment, there's a lot of financial stress out there, you know, might have young kids, um, uh, but, you know, have that solid foundational relationship, but they they just get up every day, they find that peace, they, they yeah. keep moving forward, um, and so it can be done. 100%. And, and 100%. So, and, you know, it's just, you've got to make sure we celebrate those who, who do achieve. Yep and support those who need support so they can achieve. Yeah, I think there's a there's definitely a mentality of uh, like, I've, now, now that the skating thing's up and running, it's a good example of like, well, if you are having a bad day and you own a skateboard or a push bike or rollerblades yeah. or skates and it's a Thursday, well, I know a way I can help your day, yeah. you know? I think one part to like, I, you know, you always try and put yourself in the in the shoes of, of someone like that. And, you know, I'm in a position now where, like, I, I fucking cry most days because I'm so happy. Yeah. Like, I made something that I'm really proud of and I, yeah. I keep pushing. I see this thing in the future that's great. But then, like, I remember when I was a truck driver and, like, the alarm goes off at 3.30 in the morning. You're like, what am I fucking doing? Yeah. You know? But you know what? There's some people who love that. Yeah, 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 I know. I kidded myself that I love that too. Yeah. No, but there are some people who genuinely, that's... That's what they are. They might have a identity crisis when they uh, retire uh, down the track, but some people mm. just love, they get up, um, they go to work, that's their passion. Yeah. Um, and and that's good. There's other people who, uh, you know, I work nine to five. Well, actually, I've never really worked nine to five because I was always doing shift work. But yeah. you know, now as a counsellor, for the majority of my focus and full-time work is, is as a counsellor. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, having those conversations, community, following up things. There's a lot of reading, there's a lot of emails, there's a lot of meetings. You know, mm. Today will be meetings from 1 o'clock through till uh, probably 7.30, mm. literally, meetings. Yeah, that's that's a hard vlog, eh? So, yeah, and, and it's it's diverse. There's everything, It's you know, there's optimization plans, there's uh, long-term financial plan, corporate business plan, immigration, rates, yeah. and it's all these things. Um, but, you know, I love that. Yeah. A lot of people like hate, couldn't yeah, think of anything. Yeah, a yeah. lot of people couldn't think of anything worse. But I thoroughly, uh, I guess, enjoy the the knowledge, the knowledge coming in, being able to be a part of making those decisions. Hopefully, drive you know, better outcomes, make money brighter. Yeah. Um, and I think that's philosophy of what many of us are trying to do. Is just again, make how do we make money brighter? Yeah. It's not saying it's dark because it's already bright, but how do we make it brighter? How do we yeah, continue yeah, yeah. to build on the foundation that we've got? Where can we take Bunbury? And Bunbury's turns, uh, you know, we've got the threat of the Outer Ring Road uh, and what that's going to do uh, for Bunbury. But then people talk about Manager. Manager keeps winning the um, Tourism Award of the Year. Yeah. And you, you know, have to actually do a major turn off to get there. Yeah, and you have to, and it's, it's out of the way. Yeah. But it's, it's you know, it's uh, one of the jewels in WA State Crown. You know, you look at the the opportunities now with uh, the ocean pool, uh, yeah. if that comes ahead. Um, council is committed now to um, supporting the building of a new art gallery, which will be a state-of-the-art uh, gallery. This gallery now, through support, uh, through some uh, local philanthropic people, could possibly house the largest West Australian art collection in the world. Wow. And so that's, that's the dream, and that's why, you know, we're looking at doing this. 
Um, you add into that, uh, you know, the, again, we spoke about earlier, the new sporting facilities that are coming on board, uh, the expansion that's happening over at the hospital is going to create new jobs. The yeah. uh, turf club has just finished there. Um, massive new expansion, which is going to create a 365-day-year track, one of, you know, only a few in, in Australia. Yeah. Uh, there's so much happening uh, in Bunbury. And that's just in our little eight-kilometres eight by eight-kilometres. Yeah, yeah. Bunbury's only 56 square kilometres. You, you know? know what it blows my mind every time I see it is like, because I, I quite often will Google Bunbury and mm. things related to Bunbury. Do you, you know what the biggest attraction on Google in Bunbury is? It's a Bunbury farmer's market. Oh, yeah. It's a business. Yeah. It's not even like it's a place where you are going to spend money. Yeah. You know, like it's not this beautiful, it's not like the lighthouse. It's yeah. not, um, you know, fill in the blank, the lookout tower or the beautiful oceans yeah. or the, the estuary or whatever it might be. It's like, it's literally a place to buy fruit and veg. Yeah. That to me is such a like from my point of view as a merchant is like I you, you know one place that like I, I can't afford well, I haven't been able to afford to buy stuff in there but every time I visit Perth I always go past Street X yeah. because it's just like there's a there's an aura about it that impresses me so much that this dude who I relate to he's just a guy yeah. made this brand that people resonate with so much it's like I just want to see what the store looks like you know yeah. so I see that the Bunbury Farmers Market being like the number one thing to do in Bunbury like before the Dolphin Discovery Center, where you can see fucking dolphins real life and swim with them, yep. which is a life-changing experience. So we go buy apples and like fresh farm produce, amazing. Well, black ink could be top five, mm. you know? And more importantly is when that goes last slice, little Spencer, you know, fill in the blank of these people yep. we're talking about before, and they're the reasons you go, sweet, we've got these massive... I don't know what the categorizing word is when you go like we've got the Southwest Sports Center, we've got the, um, which obviously includes like soccer, basketball, hockey, yeah. this, that, and the other, um, you know, all those kind of like massive institutions within the, within, you, they, you then have these businesses that have such a like almost cult following of people. It's like, oh, you don't know, like, you don't know what Black Ink is? Like, what do they do? Like, I don't know, but you just, if you know, you know, yeah. you know, that sort of, potential for growth in Bunbury is so exciting for me. It's like, what do you want to do? Do fucking anything and just stick with it and Bunbury is a place that you can make it grow. Yeah, but I always like Bunbury. Bunbury is a great place because it's it's big enough that you can be anything and do anything. Right. Um, but it's also small enough that you're not going to be lost in the weeds. So mm. you, try and, you try and get in Perth, there's a lot of, I guess, um, there's a lot saturation. of saturation. Yeah, there's yeah. a lot of saturation. There's a lot of noise around you and you really have to be, you have to be, you know, massive and really work hard and, and yeah. have a, that that huge following. Yeah. Whereas in Bunbury, you can become as important as a person in Perth, but you don't need to you don't need to work as hard. Yeah. Because there's still Bunbury's still small enough. And when I say Bunbury, I mean the Bunbury Geograph region, one hundred thirty odd thousand people, still small enough that you can be recognised by one hundred thirty thousand people. Yeah. Recently. One hundred percent. I have four and a half thousand followers on Instagram. Yeah. Going out on a Friday and Saturday night, you'd think I'm a celebrity. Yeah. Everyone knows me. Yeah. I'm not saying to brag. I'm saying it because it's like as a stat, it blows my mind that like I feel like I'm an, a micro Instagram influencer, yeah. and I have four thousand followers. Yeah. And as you move forward, that's just going to continue to grow. And as yeah. your brand uh, explodes, uh, because it'll reach that catalyst sooner or later where it just goes over that tipping point and it just explodes and it goes out. I've like buttoned off. Like I would say I probably have posted maybe between 10 and 15% of what I usually post yeah. in the past six weeks. And I've gained, I've gained, uh, the not gained followers, I've gained the amount of followers that I usually get yeah. on average per month. Yeah. That's increased by posting less. Yeah. Which is like, I mean, that bit of data to me is just like, what are people following me for? Yeah. 
you know? And like I, I found that event that I was talking about, one of the things that I heard the most was, I want to support you, what have you got? Yeah. So they're not coming to me for the what, they're coming to me for the why. Yeah. They believe in this thing that's greater than, than just a t-shirt or yeah. just a mug or just a whatever. Which... Well, that, and they want, you've created that community again uh, around it and people want to be a part of that. Yeah. Because otherwise they feel like they're missing out on something. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. They want to fly the flag themselves. Yeah they, yeah. yeah, they want to be a part of this great, they want to hop on the gravy train and be whatever part of it they can be. And if that just means ordering 10 shirts off you, yeah. Um, and then people come into their shop and they go, oh, they're cool shirts. Oh, yeah, it's from Black Ink, you know. Yeah, yeah, People yeah. go, oh, Black Ink, Jake, here are. And so, yeah, but they've got, they've got a little bit of buy-in. Yeah. Um, which is really important. It's interesting. Because, like, from my point of view, as I said before, like, what is Black Ink? I still don't know. Yeah. I'm still letting it just be this. In fact, I've actually taken the majority of what I do cash flow-wise. And I've, I've put that over here and called that Outfit Co. Yeah. So that I can keep black ink is the artistic endeavor yeah. so i can continue like the other day we made custom mud flaps yeah. like how cool is that <laughs> i'm sitting here with a drill drilling mud flaps and attaching plates and i'm just like what am i doing yeah. what am i doing right now and you deliver them to the customer and they're like these are sick yeah. like i'm so happy with how these turned out and it's like now this whole new realm of like custom mud flaps or custom custom cutting um stainless steel plates what can you do with that where can we fit them and then you start going like oh making clothes is really cool yeah I've created a system where I've got someone who organizes or who handles sales, yeah. production and delivery. So I really like that just makes me money now. And now it's like, okay, I want to get into mud flaps for yeah. six weeks. I want to get into custom X for six weeks, yeah. custom Y for six weeks. And you can, now I can do that. Yeah. So I think the cool thing about Black Ink is the, like while everyone has organically kind of jumped on board or the people who have jumped on board have jumped on board, it's like still allowed me to just be creative. Yeah. Continue that. And just, I think that's where you want to be, don't you? you want, yeah, you yeah, know. yeah. No walls. Yeah. There can't be walls. Yeah. No ceiling and no walls. Well, that's why you employ people to be in the walls. Yeah. And then you do what you need to do. Yeah. I've had to learn a lot in the past six weeks. Getting my first full-time employee, it's like giving them the job and just saying, there you go. Yeah. You're like, here's, here's how I do it. There you go. And let them fuck up half a dozen times yeah. and wear that cost and be like, yeah, cool. Don't do it again. Yeah. You've emotionally learned from it. That's all that matters. Yeah. And not being like, here's how we do it. Yeah. See, here's how we do it. And doing it for them and for them. Like, that's how I organically want systems, to do it. Systems run the business and people run the systems. That's right. That's right. Instead of me running fucking everything, yeah. you know. But yeah, what's your, uh, what's your, are you right for time? What time are you doing stuff? Uh, I've got to go shortly. Right. Do you want to wrap so, we, so you, yep. you're not stressed? Yeah. But yeah, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the podcast. If people want to, obviously, we, we didn't address it at all, but you're, you're a councillor of Bunbury, yep. city councillor. If people do want to speak to you directly about maybe something that they're concerned about or something that they're happy about or anything in between, where can they find you? Uh, I'm sure you can post the um, uh, email address in the comments below. <laughs> I've seen yeah. that done on YouTube before. Look uh, in the comments. Yeah, look in the comments <laughs> below for those who are watching it. Uh, look, more than happy people to reach out. Uh, they can find all the council numbers on the City of Bunbury website at right. um, bunbury.wa.gov.au. Yep. Otherwise, more than happy for people to uh, phone me directly. Sweet. Uh, so, or just text me and I'll get back to you as soon as you can. Cool. 0408 576 203. Which is also in the comments which below. Which is also in the comments below. Uh, make sure you uh, click like and subscribe. Yes. And if you like notifications, make sure you click the little bell. I watch a lot yeah. of YouTube. <laughs> you're, you're well trained. I like yeah. this. So, um, yeah, it's... Um, look, uh, I'm a counsellor because I like, again, uh, trying to support community. Mm -hmm. uh, I was thinking the other day, you know, I've been 
39, I've been involved in community for 30 years. Uh, primary school used to organise Clean Up Australia Day events and multiple clean up days, you know, when it's like 8, 9, 10, those kind of things. Yeah. And, and student counsellor, and then, you know, you're part of um, uh, scouts and all those things and air cadets. And then when I was at um, high school, you know, involved in youth leadership and all these things. Right. And, and then projects. So it's just continually built up over the years that I've always just been involved in in community so running relay for life been involved in rotary for about 15 years yeah um supporting groups and community clubs and, and all of this kind of stuff is because the more we can empower and strengthen organizations like that the better bunbury is yeah um relay for life is uh this weekend and it's probably one of the greatest examples i can think about of strong communities so Relay for Life happens once a year. Um, we empower people to go out and fundraise for the Cancer Council uh, of Western Australia. Uh, and then we put on really the celebration of 12 months of hard work. Yeah. Um, so a community, uh, a group of community members who, who are all volunteers, who organize the event, who, who meet uh, once or twice a month, all year out, and use all their networks, put on a show where we bring the whole, we bring a thousand odd people together. And those thousand people will sleep overnight and spend the night together. Yeah. They'll walk around a track uh, carrying the baton, um, you know, flying the flag for cancer research, yeah. uh, for treatment and all these kind of things. But while they're doing that, they're, they're talking to their neighbours who they never talked to. Yeah, right. They're having conversations. The kids are getting out there and they're playing tug of war. They're not on their devices. Having organic... Have, yeah, yeah. so for 24 hours, you're bringing all these people together and they're meeting and they're having talks and they're laughter and we're having fun. And then what happens at night time? Uh, for those who do sleep, um, d uh, dads and daughters will sleep out under the stars in a tent. Yeah. And it might be the only experience that daughter has all year of camping overnight with her dad. Yeah. And those bonds and, and, and the things that happen when she has those experiences, the bonds she creates with dad at that point can help uh, you know, influence her throughout her life. So when she yeah. becomes 16 and 17, because of the strength and the love and support she's had down here, yeah. when she's going to a party and someone offers her MDMA or, or something, she goes, well, no, because dad would be disappointed in me mm. because she's had that strong connection back here really. Yeah. And then it's all packed up and it's over. But everyone goes back to their business. I spoke about earlier. Everyone goes back to their businesses. They go back to their home lives. Everyone's yeah. happy. They're a little bit tired. Yeah. But they've There's just new accomplished. wealth of experience. Yeah, they've yeah. just accomplished something. They've made new connections. Uh, they're full of adrenaline, they're full of passion, they're full of good spirit. Yeah. And then in some small ways, that filters out to the entire region. Yeah, yeah. So when, you know, people get to work on Monday, all they talk about, oh, I went to Relay for Life, we did this for those companies who put in a team. They've created a much stronger bonds, had a great weekend of team networking. People have had a conversation. They know such and such are struggling a little bit more because of this. I never yeah. knew that because, you know, it's very singular conversations at work. Yeah. So I'm going to make sure that I'm going to look after that person yeah. at work for the next couple of weeks and just check in from time to time and and Bunbury's better for it and we've yeah. got a stronger Bunbury yeah. and that means that there's less strain on mental health services there's less need hopefully for police because people are happier less you know hopefully there's a little bit less violence out there hopefully yeah. people use a little less recreational drugs and through the, the fundraising uh, and the private investment in cancer research and support services mm -hmm. um, like Dot's Place we mean governments having to invest less in cancer support. So hopefully yeah. we get to a point of a cancer-free society all because we had one event. Yeah. 
So, and then you can imagine if you had two events or three events or four events a year. And then, yeah. And then you go, you know, that's just one. That's just Relay for Life. Yeah. Uh, and then you think about all these other amazing events, all the football clubs, um, the soccer clubs, I mean, Basketball Association, Netball, there's sewing groups, there's um, a felting group, there's a felting exposition, uh, exposition coming up at yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Sterling Art Centre. Right. And so you just got all these things you don't know about, but there's like, it's always happening. Yeah. And that's what I love. And that's why I'm a counsellor, is just to continue to support and drive policy yep. and direction um, uh, around those sorts of supporting community and building strong communities. Mm. So then hopefully in the end, council has to do less. Yeah, well, it's, it's awesome to see such passion in the position that you're in because I yeah. think it really, like, it calls for that. Yeah. I think from the experience that I've had, which is obviously not very much, but still it is some experience, I think there's definitely a concern when I when I observe kind of the conversation, how the conversation kind of comes about in the chambers with council people, and you kind of think, like, this isn't about Bunbury, this is about you. You know, and like, I think that's dangerous because like I'm 100% for Bunbury. I care about Bunbury. At the end of the day, like I'm going to have my kids here. I'm going to be excited to raise my kids here. And I want to point to them in 20 years time and just point things out and be like, I was a part of that and I was a part of this. And like, how cool is that thing? I know the person who built that and the person who started this. I remember when that started and like the, the greater picture is like, sure, it is about you outside the chambers, but in the chambers, it's about Bunbury. And I think you're a really strong reflection of that. And you can tell by the way you talk about it right now. No, and she's a um, bummery. I wouldn't want to live anywhere else. 100%. I agree with you. It's, I think that's our closing story right it. there. That's it. Been a pleasure to talk to you, Ben. Thanks, mate. Thanks for coming on the podcast. And everyone, do the thing. Like and subscribe. Be good to your mum because we're fucking out. You! <laughs>